Welcome to episode number 48 of Talking Mopars. This episode is all about the adult toys from Dodge. Now, I know what you're thinking, but trust me, this episode is in fact safe for work. The adult toys I'm talking about were the flashy heavy metal Mopar vans and trucks from the late 70s. The name adult toys comes from the ad campaign that Dodge launched to market these specially packaged machines, and we're going to talk all about them later in the show. So, without further ado, if you are a Mopar enthusiast and you are in the right place, don't go anywhere. You're tuned into the best Mopar enthusiast-driven podcast on planet Earth, and I'm your host, Chris Albrecht, better known as the Mopar Hunter, and this is Talking Mopars. You're listening to Talking Mopars with the Mopar Hunter, your direct connection to all things Mopar. Welcome back, my friends. I've been doing a lot of thinking lately, and I think I need to go back to my Mopar roots. For those of you who haven't heard my story yet, I'll give you the cliff notes. My first memories of Mopars were of my dad's 1985 Dodge Daytona Turbo Z and his custom 1975 Dodge Tradesman Shorty Van. Both of them are black, and both made a huge impression on me as a kid. It's been over 20 years since I've seen that van, and it's never left my mind. I still think that it's the coolest van I've ever seen, and I actually think about it a lot. And to put it bluntly, I don't think my Mopar life will ever be complete until I get a boogie van of my own. So I know I'll never be able to replace my dad's van, but just like his Dart, I'd like to find a van because getting one would mean that I've managed to replace all the Mopars in our family that have gotten away. Now, I don't know if any of you have tried looking for a 70s-era Dodge van lately, but they aren't exactly easy to find, and when you do find them, at least when I do, they aren't really what I'm looking for, or they're just crazy expensive. I mean, more expensive than they need to be, I'll tell you that. It's pretty ridiculous. You think Mopar muscle cars are expensive? Go try it and find a Dodge Boogie van, okay? They're crazy. The most important thing about this podcast for me has been the number of cool Mopar folks that I've made connections with because of it, and who I now consider to be my friends. One of those cool people who I consider to be a friend is my buddy Stacy. Stacy reached out to me way back in January and said that he heard me talking about vans on the show and mentioned that he actually had a Dodge van that he would be willing to sell to me. He said that he tried to sell it with no luck and it's been sitting for like the past three years, but at the time I really didn't think much of it because I wasn't considering the fact that if I actually got a van, I would have my own boogie van and I could customize it like my dad did his back in the day. But Stacy's van is orange and was actually once a ready camp conversion van that has since been gutted. So it has no windows other than the two on the back doors and obviously the ones up front. But as a cool bonus, it does have the typical boogie van porthole windows and in my book, it just makes the look of the van. It also has one of those vents in the roof towards the rear and a sunroof in the front. So basically, it's the perfect platform to build a boogie van of my own. And the quick story on the van is that Stacy's friend was in poor health and was selling off some of his Mopar collections. Stacy ended up with this van and some other cool Mopar stuff. And since he is knee deep in rebuilding his Cuda right now, he knew that he wasn't going to get around to it anytime soon. So he would be willing to find it a good home. And he asked me. But it's not running at the moment, and it's got a 727 attached to the 318 that's leaking and has seen better days, so it's going to need a transmission or some transmission work. But Stacy sent me a bunch of pictures, and the thing is pretty dang solid considering its age and the fact that it's been sitting for a few years. You know, it's not a complete rot box. There are a couple small issues, but for the most part, it is solid. And that's what I'm looking for in a van, because I'd like to have a platform that's pretty straight. You know, the paint's 
oxidized, but hopefully with a little elbow grease, we can get that paint to shine once again. To be honest with you, I've had so much going on this year, and with the stupid virus complicating life even more, I completely forgot about Stacy having that van and offering it to me for a good price. It actually wasn't until recently when our old pal Johnny Mopar posted a really cool-looking Pro Street van and said that it made him want a van that I saw Stacy comment about his van and saying he's willing to sell it. Of course, being the Mopar vulture that I am, I swooped in and just like that, my desire to have a van was reignited. And since Johnny's post, I can't stop thinking about Stacy's van. I reached back out to him and we're trying to work something out, but... Hopefully sooner rather than later, but other than wanting to complete my little collection of classic Mopars, the van would make a great hauler, and since I plan on taking talking Mopars on the road in the future, it would make the perfect home away from home and mobile talking Mopars podcast studio. I thought that would be really cool, but I've spent so much time traveling and camping in vans when I was a kid that even as creepy as some people think these vans are, to me, vans bring back some of the fondest and best memories of my childhood, and I could think of no better mode of transportation for the Mopar Hunter <laughs> to shows outside of my area than a custom Dodge van. Another plus side is the fact that I'd actually be able to use the van as a tow vehicle for my Dart or my truck if I ever needed to, so needless to say, the reasons for me getting the van far outweigh the reasons why I shouldn't, and my wife hating vans being one of those reasons. Sorry, babe, I know that uh, you hate vans, but you know I love you, and I'm a Mopar enthusiast, so... As such, I need a Mopar van in my life. <laughs> the truth is that this deal isn't set in stone yet because somebody else could just go and swoop in and buy the van from Stacy, which would suck for me. But, you know, I believe in first come, first serve. That said, I have my sights set on Stacy's van and I'm going to do everything I can to get it. I just don't know when that's going to happen. So that's what's been on my Mopar addicted mind as of late. And no... For those of you wondering, I definitely haven't forgotten about the projects that I have in my garage right now, being the Dart and my truck. But since being reminded of the van, I'm actually super motivated to get these projects going and moving along. So what I'm in the process of coming up with is the plans for my current projects and the cash to get this van. But that's the name of the game for a Mopar guy like me, as I'm sure many of you can relate to that. I'm sure there are plenty of you out there listening who feel the same way about Mopars that I do. The amount of Mopars that sucks to have is not having enough. So we're always trying to add more to the collection. All right, friends, now that I've told you all my secret plans, please don't tell my wife. Let's get this show on the road. This week's project car of the week is actually a van. And I'm starting to think I should just call this segment Mopar project of the week just because you know, I pick more than just cars for this segment, so be ready for that change. I'm trying to be a little bit more diverse with the Mopars that I choose for this segment because I do like Mopars from all areas and all types of Mopars, and I think that good Mopar projects aren't just cars. Sometimes they're trucks, and since I'm on a van kick, this week was a van, and let me say that I actually set out to find a van for this week's project. There was just one issue. There aren't very many out there. So let's read the ad and then we'll talk some more about vans and why they can make cool projects. The van featured on this edition of Mopar Project of the Week was posted on the Mopar Hunter Facebook page on Sunday, September 6th at 9 a.m. Here is the ad. Shorty Van, $3,995. 1975 Dodge Tradesman Shorty, 318 V8, Auto. Runs, drives, and stops pretty well for a 45-year-old van. If you've been looking for one of these, this is one to consider. Not showroom ready, but a great start to a street machine. Serious inquiries only, please. 
$3,995 or best offer, title status is clean. So this van is a short wheelbase van, which for these is 109 inches compared to the longer versions that were 127 inches. The van that I want to buy from Stacy is a 127 inches for wheelbase, so it's longer than my dad's was since my dad's was a shorty like this van. The one in this ad is two-toned. It has a light blue base with a thick dark blue stripe mid-body and a dark blue roof. It has a windshield visor, which is very boogie vanish, and it has my favorite bubble windows of all time the Pentastar portholes. They are super rare, and I'd love to hunt down a set for my future van project, but if Stacy's van ends up being mine, then I'll just settle for the round portholes, unless I can find those awesome Pentastar ones. This van also has a Grant wood grain steering wheel, which adds to that nostalgic feeling, along with that pop-up sunroof, and it looks like at one point the back was done up like a 70s custom, but right now it's pretty bare, which is great, because most of the time when you find these vans, the cargo area usually needs to be redone. These old boogie vans had old shag carpet and cabinets put in, old sinks and things like that. So chances are if you find one of these, it'll probably need new carpet and things like that. This one actually has a plywood floor and looking around, it actually looks like the van was originally red. The good news is that it will be easy to strip the cargo area and get creative to create your own space. I like the idea of a modern version of a classic boogie van, something you know, creative enough that you can go to shows and show it off, but you can also go camping. And if you're the nomad life, you can hit the road and live that van life. But it would also be cool to get this thing capable of hauling a race car. That way you have a place to store your tools, parts, extra tires, and have a place to stay at the track instead of a tent. I really like that idea. For me, I like all those possibilities, but the possibility of having a mobile podcast studio when I go to events would be really cool. And if I bring merch with me, it would make a great display for the merch too. This thing has a 318, it's running and driving, and hey, it stops too, so that's always nice. Um, I like projects that you can drive home, and this thing is, you know, that type of a project. It even has some pinstriping on the hood, which is cool because it's kind of like a throwback. It does need some new wheels and tires, and some 15 by 10 mags on fatties in the back, and some 15 by 8s in the front would give this thing that groovy raked stance that was so popular with these vans back in the day. I think that this van is also in desperate need of a front lip spoiler and the fender flares, which you can surprisingly still find if you look hard enough online. But all in all, I'd say if you were interested in getting a boogie van for a project for less than four grand, I think this one is a great candidate. I actually did reach out to the seller just to, you know, feel the water and see what the temperature was like. And it sounds like he's pretty firm with not much wiggle room, but he said that 3,500 to the right person would take it home. You don't want to know what I offered him, <laughs> but that's a whole nother story. Since these vans are hard to find, I think he's in the ballpark. The side doors do have a little damage and there's definitely some work that probably needs to be done, but overall it appears to be pretty solid. So if you're looking to get back into vanning and relive your youth, or even if you're a rookie vanner, this would make a fun project. Keep on trucking, my friends. That was Mopar Project of the Week. No Mopar left behind. Since we're on the topic of vans, this week's high-performance part belongs to a custom shorty Dodge van in the 2015 movie American Ultra. And because I suck at explaining movies, I've finally come to the realization that from now on, I think I'm just going to read the synopsis straight from Rotten Tomatoes. So here is the synopsis for American Ultra from Rotten Tomatoes. 
American Ultra is a fast-paced action comedy about Mike, played by Jesse Eisenberg, a seemingly hapless and unmotivated stoner whose small-town life with his live-in girlfriend Phoebe, played by Kristen Stewart, is suddenly turned upside down. Unbeknownst to him, Mike is actually a highly trained lethal sleeper agent. In the blink of an eye as his secret past comes back to haunt him, Mike is thrust into the middle of a deadly government operation and is forced to summon his interaction hero in order to survive. Now, where does this sweet boogie van come in? Well, about 17 minutes and 30 seconds into the movie, Eisenberg's character, Mike, meets up with his drug dealer, Rose, played by John Leguizamo, to buy illegal fireworks for the show he wants to put on for when he proposes to Phoebe. Rose rolls up to the meeting spot in a 1974 to 1976 Dodge Shorty van with a wild paint scheme, which to me looks like a vinyl wrap. But it, it's pretty wild. It's got a 70s bubble porthole window, side pipes, and craggers. And on the inside, all you can really see is a wall that has some speakers built into it. But the van appears to be in really good shape. I'm actually wondering where this van is now. I'm hoping that it's not rotting away in some Hollywood movie prop car lot because it's a pretty cool van. And even rolling up the van sounds good. And it's really just an attention grabber. The perfect boogie van for an eccentric drug dealer like Rose. I like the van. It is a bit too wild looking for me as far as the paint scheme or wrap, whichever it actually is. But it's definitely cool. And it's always fun to see Mopars in movies. And this van really stood out to me since it's probably the coolest custom Dodge van seen in a movie for at least a few decades. But it's refreshing to see these things still out there. And I would be really depressed if I never saw another custom van again. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to build my own and it's going to take me a while, but uh, that's my plan. And who knows, maybe I might end up in a movie someday. You never know. But that was High Performance Parts, the 1974 to 1976 custom Dodge Boogie van in American Ultra. This week, we have two voicemails for listener stories. The first one comes to us from Dustin Williams in West Virginia. Here is Dustin's story. Hey, Chris. Dustin Williams here. I've been listening to the show here for a couple days now at work, just catching up on all the ones that I've missed through the months. Um, from West Virginia, uh, just want to let you in on my little Mopar story. And last year, I picked up a 2011 Charger while working at a Ford dealership. It's an RT, all-wheel drive. Um, I'm actually driving it right now. Love the car. Um, of course, the Ford dealership I was working at, they weren't real appreciative of it because all I did was brag. But um, actually, I sent my VIN number for this car to Chrysler. It's the RT all-wheel drive, toxic orange pearl code, RT plus package. Uh, there were only 36 made with these options, so I felt kind of proud doing that. So I started looking at upgrading this car and everything, and uh, it got to the point where I could have an old Mopar, with the money I was taking into my used 2011, my daily driver. So I got to looking around, and maybe 20, 25 minutes from my house, um, I found a 68 Dart that I actually knew about years ago. Um, and I picked it up for 3700 bucks. It was uh, like an olive green. It had a hemi hood scoop on it, but the hood scoop was facing backwards for some reason. And it was just the weeds were growing to it, and all you could see was the grill. The bumper was somewhere else. Um, had a 318 in it. So I picked it up this past February. Res I call it my rescue pet, but uh, picked it up, brought it home. Um, been working with it ever since. Got the little 318. The, the thing, it starts so good. It's got the Edelbrock ABS carb on it. 
Dustin, thanks for calling and sharing your story. I really dig the Hemi cars with all-wheel drive. The Cherokee SRT8s, the all-wheel drive chargers. You know, I'm curious how many all-wheel drive chargers with Hemis were made because they are awesome cars. And for me being in Washington State with all sorts of crazy weather, an all-wheel drive Hemi charger would be a very, very cool daily driver. I think it's great that you have a modern Mopar that is low production and that you went and found yourself a cool 68 Dart for a project car. You know me, buddy. I'm a huge advocate for old Mopars with modern Hemis. The old engines are awesome too, but I, you know, it's always fun to say that you have a Hemi. Even if the modern Gen 3 Hemis don't actually have traditional hemispherical combustion chambers, who cares? Keep us posted on the projects, Dustin. And if you do end up going with a Gen 3 Hemi, be sure to check out DIYHemi.com and soak up some knowledge and maybe even get some of the parts you need. Don't forget to tell them that I sent you. <laughs> um, I'm really excited to see other Mopar enthusiasts becoming more open-minded to swapping in these newer Hemis. I think it's only going to help convince the aftermarket that there is a huge, huge surge in popularity for the swap. And when that happens, parts are going to be more available and hopefully we'll be able to benefit from cheaper prices down the road. Anyways, thanks again for sharing your story with us, Dustin. Love hearing stories like that. The next voicemail was sent in by our friend Hemi Bill in response to when Johnny Mopar was on the show sharing some knowledge about the Superbird with us. Hemi Bill had some knowledge of his own to drop that I found very interesting. So let's hear what Hemi Bill has to say. Hey Chris, it's Hemi Bill. I just listened to uh, your latest podcast with talking with uh, Johnny Mopar, and uh, I just remembered a little piece of Superbird trivia. I wonder if either of you two had heard of this. Uh, we got to go back in time a little bit though. Back in the late 60s, uh, cars did not have side marker lights. So the federal government came out and said, hey, you have to have these. So in 1968, uh, Chrysler had the round side marker lights. And then in 69, Chrysler got sneaky and they snuck in reflectors. And the federal government says, hey, you can't do that. You're supposed to have lights, not reflectors. And uh, Chrysler says, okay, well, we'll put them back in for 1970. Well, in 1970, Plymouth B-bodies... Uh, I believe they still had reflectors on there, but the Dodges had lights again. Well, if you look at a 70 Superbird, it's a Plymouth back end with a Dodge front. So the back has side reflectors, but the front has side marker lights. So as far as I know, it's the only car that has half and half. And that's a little bit of a Superbird trivia for today. Keep on my time. Send me bill out. Hey, Hemi Bill, that's really interesting, and I sure didn't know that. 
I always wondered when the side marker lights became a thing, and I guess now we know. I do think it's funny that Chrysler tried to sneak in just a reflector in 1969. Very interesting tidbit of super bird knowledge from our friend Hemi Bill, always bringing us the oddball knowledge that is fun to learn and a great piece of trivia. Thank you to Hemi Bill for that. That does it for Listener Stories today, with more coming soon on an upcoming episode of Just Listener Stories. I've decided that the easiest way for me to get caught up on Listener Stories is just to do a whole episode on them, so look forward to that in the coming weeks. And if you want to hear your Mopar story shared on the show, send me your stories by email to chris at talkingmopars.com or call 209-28-MOPAR and leave me a voice message that I can play on the show. Remember, folks, the voicemail is limited to three minutes. So if you go over, that's absolutely fine. That is okay. Leave as many messages as it takes to tell your story, and I will find a way to cut it all together for the show. That was Listener Stories. With the creative muscle car marketing of the late 60s and early 70s long gone, the late 70s sparked a new ad campaign from Chrysler to market their growing line of Dodge trucks. It was 1978 and the birth of the new adult toys from Dodge marketing campaign. This ad campaign carried over to 1979, but unfortunately that would be the end of the adult toys marketing campaign. But it was definitely fun while it lasted. The campaign was aimed at promoting four vehicles in 1978, including the Warlock, the Ram Charger, the Macho Power Wagon, and of course, the Street Van. To get an idea of what the campaign was like in 78, I thought it would be fun to read one of Dodge's ads. So here is the ad for the adult toys in 1978. A new set of adult toys from Dodge. Dodge's 1978 line of adult toys can do everything tough Dodge trucks have always been known for, but they go a lot further than that. They're fun to drive, fun to be seen in, fun to own or lease. See that 4x4 Ram Charger that looks like a hard-working station wagon? It looks more like a convertible when you take off its optional hardtop roof that extends all the way to the windshield. Or you can order a vinyl soft top with roll-up sides for fresh air camping. That dynamite short bed with the solid oak stake sides is Warlock, which has got to be the ultimate status pickup. Most of the goodies you see on it are standard, along with a couple dozen others you can't see. The imposing two-tone machine in the foreground is called the Macho Power Wagon, and it delivers everything the name implies, inside and outside, with a standard roll bar and full-time four-wheel drive to back it up. And of course, there's our street van, based on America's most popular van-type vehicle, the Dodge Tradesman. It comes right from the factory with gear that gives you a great start on your own one-of-a-kind set of wheels. From there on, the possibilities go right out of sight. We could take 10 more pages to tell you about the optional sunroofs, paint schemes, interiors, chrome trims, special wheels, and etc. But we'll just say that everything about these trucks is designed for fun. If you haven't heard other truck companies talk about that lately, maybe it's because they don't build trucks that are this much fun to drive. That was one of the ads from 1978, and it was actually one of the tamer ads. Other ads depicted the adult toys in a variety of fun youth-inspired situations, so these vehicles were sure to pique the interest of adventure seekers. Some of these ads showed people at the beach just having a good time, and you could just tell that the vibe that Dodge wanted to put out was, hey, get a group of your friends, throw a cooler full of cold brews in the back, and go find yourself a spot on the beach, start a fire, and have a great time. I really enjoy the marketing machine of Chrysler throughout its history. It definitely has had some great moments, and even in modern times, the marketing used today to attract the attention of the people who are into muscle cars has really been heating up over the past handful of years. The folks at Dodge are really pushing the envelope much like they used to, and nearly every vehicle in their current lineup is getting a Hemi. You know, that's crazy. But props to the marketing department today because they're really doing a phenomenal job at harnessing the power 
of those cars, that muscle car. You know, everybody wants to be part of the brotherhood of muscle, right? But my favorite adult toy from Dodge had to be the street van. They really pulled no punches when it came to offering buyers customization options, and it's great that they recognized the potential in the van craze of the 1970s. I don't think any other manufacturers capitalized on movements the way Chrysler did back then, you know, with the muscle car movement and then, you know, the big truck movement and the vans. It's just crazy, and it never ceases to amaze me when I take a look at their marketing materials and ads from the 60s and 70s. They really just had a way of making it fun. And I think that car enthusiasts, even non-Mopar car enthusiasts, can at least appreciate their marketing efforts for all those different periods of time. I think it's awesome. And with the street van, what was really cool is Dodge offered this customization kit. And they're really rare. And if you can find one today, geez, send it my way. (laughs) Um, Inside this kit, it gave you like a bunch of ideas you know, with pictures of Dodge vans of like paint schemes and, you know, inspiration. And I thought that was really cool. They also had, I guess they had patterns for like creating interior panels for your van. So like the walls and things like that. So Dodge really, you know, threw everything they had at the customization aspect of these vehicles, especially with the street van. I mean, there's a picture out there floating around on the internet that shows an old dealership And for the life of me, I can't remember which one it is, but it shows nothing but street vans in front of this dealership. And you're looking at it like, is that a van show? No, that's just the lineup of street vans that this dealership had in stock. That is insane to me. But in 1979, a new adult toy was added to the lineup, and that was the little mini truck, the Dodge D50 Sport. The rest of the lineup stayed the same, with the biggest difference being the redesign of the grills. The front of the van got a little bit more squared off, and I'm not the biggest fan of that 79 van style. I've always liked the way Dodge's, compared to Chevy's, were less square. I like how the vans, the front of them, flowed a little bit better into the grill. I liked the trucks, how there weren't such sharp edges, and how everything had nice curvature. You know, Chevys, that's why they call them square bodies, because they're so square. You know, at least with the Dodges, you know, you felt like, I don't know, they just looked smoother to me. Between the muscle cars, the trucks, and the vans, in comparison to Chevy and Ford, you know, Chrysler products to me were just far more aesthetically pleasing to my eyes. I don't know how everybody else feels, but that's the way I feel. And that's why I prefer Mopars over any other car. You know, going back to the van styling, it really is a shame that they changed the front end of that thing because it looked so good. And, you know, from the 70s into the 80s, they really looked more squared off like Chevys. And I really did not like that. But, you know, I guess all good things must come to an end. And 1979 was the last year for the adult toys from Dodge. 1979 was the end of that great marketing time in Chrysler history. And with the 80s came the K cars. We'll be talking more about them in another episode and, you know, talking about the 80s turbo Mopars, some of my favorite cars from Chrysler, aside from the muscle cars and the trucks and vans. You know, that was another era in Chrysler history that was just, you know, awesome. With the turbo cars, they just were on a different level. And coming from my childhood, you know, my dad had a talking car. So it's just really cool to think about what kind of stuff they were working with back in the 80s. And we're going to be getting into 
all that stuff in future episodes. And we're also going to be getting further in depth with each of the vehicles offered in the adult toy lineup. So now you know what vehicles were considered the adult toys from Dodge. And hopefully you got a little understanding of why Dodge got a little flashier toward the end of the 70s. Exploring each one of these models in depth a little bit more will be fun because each one is unique enough to stand on their own. They're so cool, but together they make a great lineup of wild and crazy machines that will usually garner a little smile when you mention the adult toys from Dodge. Wow, I never thought I'd be able to say that I talked about adult toys on an episode of Talking Mopars with thousands of people listening, but I guess there's a first time for everything, folks. So I will mark that off the old bucket list, and as far as vans go, I really want to see vanning make a strong comeback. I remember very little from the van fairs that I went to with my dad as a kid, but when we were going to those events, they were definitely starting to slow down. But there's still hardcore vanners out there that are still doing it, still living the life, still vanning, keeping vanning alive. But I think it would be awesome to see more vans resurfacing at events. Even the old A100s and A108s are really cool, and they also make great projects. So shout out to all the vanners out there. I hope to join the ranks soon and relive some of my youth because some of my best childhood memories were camping and road tripping in my dad's van. So... I really hope there's somebody out there listening that's thinking to themselves, you know, I never really considered a van. That sounds kind of fun. I kind of do think that would be cool. And, you know, join me. Let's get vans. Let's really start pumping this van craze up a little bit. Let's get this thing going again. I think it would be really fun. I think it would be wild. And I think it would be something, you know, unique and new. I know that they did it back in the day, but... You know, history repeats itself, and I think that, you know, I've seen Vanning kind of make a comeback in a weird way. You know, you have these people that are social media influencers, and they're living, you know, nomadic lifestyles by buying these vans and these RVs and just living in them and documenting their time. I think that's really cool. I I, I won't do that, <laughs> but um, I definitely want one of these boogie vans to have some fun in. You know, like I said earlier, take to events and things like that. I think that would be a blast. And I think it would really be cool to get a bunch of people together and see, you know, if we can really make Vanning come back. I know it's still alive. I know Vanning is not dead. I really appreciate all the Vanners out there keeping Vanning alive. I appreciate you. Thank you very much. I cannot wait because the last time I went Vanning, I was a kid. So it's a different ball game now. And, you know, I'm also really excited to build a van. You know what I mean? Like the inside of it and customize it and make it something cool that I can, you know, stay in while I'm out and about on the road and road tripping, you know, doing Mopar road trips. I think that would be an absolute blast and I'm really looking forward to it. So that's all I'm going to say about vans for at least today. Uh, I'll probably be chatting your ears off about vans for the foreseeable future until I get one myself. And even then, as soon as I get one, we're going to have all sorts of fun with it. But thanks for joining me today. It was a good time as usual. But before we shut her down, I want to remind you to go visit my friends over at hemipages.com, diyhemi.com, and autometaldirect.com. Don't forget about the Build Mopar project put on by Hemipages. That project's going to be really cool. Go to hemipages.com and check it out. Learn more. And join us in building this awesome 1968 super stock dart that's going to have a giant Whipple supercharger on it. And it's going to be a modern throwback to the 68 super stock Hemi darts 
from back in the day. That's going to be really cool. I can't wait. There you have it, my friends. Another episode of Talking Mopars is in the books. For more information about this podcast or to listen and subscribe to the show, please visit TalkingMopars.com. And don't forget that you can send me your stories, questions, comments, complaints, suggestions, and everything else on your Mopar-addicted mind to Chris at TalkingMopars.com. Or leave me a voice message on my voice mailbox at 209-28-MOPAR to hear yourself on the show. Also, be sure to check out the Talking Mopars merch shop on the website. Yes, we have merch. We have cool things like t-shirts, hoodies, stickers, mugs, and more. So if you want to help support the show and get some cool stuff at the same time, jump on over to TalkingMopars.com. That's it, my friends. Until we talk again, I am your host, Chris Albrecht, and that was Talking Mopars. Thank you for listening to Talking Mopars, your direct connection to all things Mopar. Until next time, remember, no Mopar left behind.